Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, aka Escaping the Matrix. In this episode of Real Talk and Conversation with today's candidate, I welcome on my special guest, candidate for the city of Atlanta, Raina Bell Saunders. Welcome to the show. Is it Raina or Raina? It's Raina. Thank you. Yes. Raina. Oh, okay, good. I see. It's the first time. That's the anointing. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Welcome on to the show. Thank you for accepting Thank you the for invite. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited about the chance to speak out and talk about the city that we love and where we are now. So before we even get on that, tell us who Raina Bell is. Well, uh, I am a native Atlantan. Uh, I am the first black person born at Emory University Hospital, or mm. as my father's friend, Big, also Zernona Clayton, uh, you may know, she said I was the first non-white. It's like, we don't have to be PC about that, but <laughs> uh, I come from a family of firsts. My mm-hmm. mother was the first Asian American lawyer in Georgia, certainly the first Asian American woman. And my father was the first uh, one in the Bell family to go to uh, medical school uh, before he transferred over to the dental uh, area. He is the desegregator of Atlanta's Grady Hospital and the American Dental Association. He was a member of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And uh, of course, by the time I was born, uh, I'm 51 now. So when I showed up in 1970, the party was over. <laughs> like so many in my generation, I feel like we missed we missed all the fun and we just got the cleanup, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am also uh, a native of Buckhead. I grew up in Buckhead and in Southwest Atlanta in the West End. Ooh. And also spent a lot of time in Midtown growing up as uh, the old Victorian uh, flop houses on Juniper and towards the park were being renovated and revitalized by Atlanta's LGBT community, which at that time uh, still very deeply closeted for most of them. But Mm -hmm. these were my mother's friends. So I have a hand pretty much in everything just from growing up around it. Uh, I love my city and I am just heartbroken at the crossroads we have reached uh, this year uh, after COVID shutdown and, you know, the politics of, of the governor against the mayor and then our mayor uh, deciding not to run again after, you know, I was sure she was running for re-election. President Biden had been down here and they'd done some fundraising and then all of a sudden she was out. Mm-hmm. So um, I am, uh, as far as who I am now, that's where I come from, where, where I am now, I am mother too. Uh, both uh, Atlanta public school students. Uh, I have a fifth grader and a seventh grader, or ri- yes, rising fifth grader, rising seventh grader. I am a student of leadership and ministry at Grace Christian University. Uh, it is an online program out of Michigan. And uh, also, uh, I am a film and music buff. That is what I do. I am an <laughs> introvert. Yes, I'm an, uh, what do they call it? INTP. Uh, we are natural born leaders, but I, I, I do need my recharge time. And that is yes. how I typically recharge film, film and music. That's it. So, yeah, I, that's the one thing I do scream about that Tamika and I talk about all the time. Is that one thing I, I love is that we have, well, we do have implants that come into the city. So I do welcome all the implants that came in. Naturally. 
they came in and they, they helped to make us more progressive and make it more blue. But one thing I will say though, about our natives that are here, I love seeing them jump up and step into a place to actually make change towards our state. And the reason being is that we've seen the birthing process of what took place here in Georgia from the rural areas to the urban areas to the cities. We've seen all of the changes come about through that and all the pain of it. So who better fit to serve that in that job than those who have actually been here through the birthing process? So, and not all the time is good because we do have some that uh, need to get kicked out of the state. But I, I still do support my homegrowns more so than some of the uh, implants coming in. And not that I have a problem with people coming in wanting to make change because they might, you know, it's always good to have somebody from an outside perspective see something and want to make a change within what they're, they're doing right now or where they're living right now. But still, I want to see more from those that's, that's from here to actually step up to the plate because it's just like while we talk about segregation and we talk about like voter rights and stuff, those things, that's not new. Like we've been dealing with that here for a long time. SB 202 yes. is not anything new. We've been dealing with them uh, disparaging our votes for a very long time. So yeah, I'm, yeah, thank you for running. I will say that thank you for running because it takes a lot to put your name in his hat because you under scrutiny, you know, is you catch it from the party itself, from both parties. And they put you under a spotlight. So thank you for taking that risk and getting on that mantle and actually putting your name in the race itself. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Antonio. One of the things that that struck me um, over the last five years um, is the reemergent of reemergence of a tiresome trope of the dumb Southerner. Uh, I will. Re I remember very well. Uh, when that term was applied to uh, Jeff Sessions, who is, of course, from our neighbor, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And not only am I a native Atlantan, I am Southern through and through and proud of it. Thank you. You know, my mm -hmm. family, my mother and father were implants or relocatees or whatever we're calling it. My father was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. Rough times for black families during his age, let me tell you. And my mother was born in Charleston. Uh, my grandfather was uh, a Filipino mm -hmm. um, gentleman who uh, immigrated uh, in the 1920s, came through Brooklyn, New York, came through Ellis Island. And somehow my grandmother and uh, her sister ended up marrying these Filipino merchant marines. And uh, my grandmother died when my mom was only six from a bad batch of hooch. You cannot get much more Southern than that. Mm -mm. And uh, my mother uh, and aunt ended up here uh, in Atlanta where they went to Hoke Smith High School and of course went to the varsity and uh, watched Atlanta transform um, through the 50s, 60s and 70s. They were, they were young Democrats and very active in helping make Atlanta progressive the way it is now. My attitude towards it is, you know, here we welcome you um, to our city, whether you've been here for 30 days, please go get your tag updated so you're not <laughs> driving around with expired uh, plates around the state. Right. But you are welcome here, whether you are, you know, Georgia born and moved here after, say, UGA. That's there's a lot of UGA grads up here. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you you came down here to go to the AU Center and decided to stay on. Everyone is welcome. However, um, there are some things that, that concern me. For example, uh, in writing my campaign plan, I was doing some research on our history and on in Wikipedia, it said that Atlanta is not really Southern. And I was like, ho, 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 who, what? Yeah, somebody falsely what? had to do that. 
<laughs> yes, I trust me. I will be going in to change that if it hasn't been changed already. And I'm like, no, we, we are Southern. We're quite mm-hmm. Southern. And my attitude is, is kind of this. It may not be popular, but um, you can come down here and enjoy our weather and our hospitality. You can pick on our pimento cheese and, you know, our desire to find the best barbecue. You can sip our Southern table wine and drink our sweet tea. But what mm. you do not get to do is brag about how much better it was where you came from or go on public radio in another city like New York and blab and brag about how you are running our mayor out of office and what you're planning to do. I, I, I am not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, the three things that, that I'm interested in in this in, in this campaign are consideration, cooperation, and civil, civility. One thing that I've noticed being, um, you know, having grown up in, in various areas of the city, the different areas don't really communicate with each other that much. Mm-hmm. And there are so many voices that are not heard uh, in terms of what they want or what they need from our city. These are people who also call the city home. And that's why my slogan is lift every voice. Yes, we know where the song came from. And that is, <laughs> it's, a, it's an earworm, trust me. Right, and it started playing here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but, you know, for now, it, every voice deserves to be heard. And no more so than this current drama i just read i got a headline from my husband where uh this buckhead empowerment committee or bec i'm not sure what the e word is but they're calling for emergency meetings to separate buckhead from atlanta really oh we've talked to buckheads buckhead doesn't feel like they're getting whatever who have you talked to because it sure as heck was not me um you know i was I was the only black child in Buckhead in the 70s. At least I didn't see any others around. It was me and one doctor, Dr. Lindsey Scott, over there in Cross Creek with those fabulous pools and all those parties and uh, living it up over there. And, you know, Antonio, I would jump in the swimming pool and parents would grab their kids, jump out and leave. So Mm -hmm. I spent my childhood with the swimming pool by myself, Earth, Wind and Fire and the Jeffersons. (laughs) And, you know, that's that's kind of where I got some of my introvert tendencies from. It was it was it was created. Now, by the time I entered middle school at Sutton, um, there were some other black families here. um, A couple of people I'm still friends with now. But, you know, this is not this is not a situation where it's all rich white people in Buckhead and all poor people in Southwest Atlanta, because it's certainly how the national media is spinning this story. And Mm -hmm. it is. It is nauseating. You know, there are, Buckhead is so much more diverse than it was when I was growing up. And there are plenty of very well-off um, upper and middle-class black families. So Tyrese lives up here. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, have, we have our share of celebrities now. You know, also my old neighborhood in the West End, you know, I can't even afford to buy a house down there. I no, it's looking real good now. Right. Yeah, you know, I tried to buy the house that I grew up in on South Gordon Street over there and they wanted $250,000 for a shoddy renovation and I still knew where all the holes in the floors were and I'm going huh? Yeah. It was cheaper for me to buy a condo in Buckhead and because you know also at, I didn't have children at the time but the schools that's another issue too. So um, some of the national conversation when, when Atlanta enters the national spotlight I, I take ownership of our city because it is, it is, it is my home. 
And so I'm, I'm not pleased with some of the things that I'm seeing and hearing coming out of, you know, other cities. Now, you know, the story about Atlanta's crime has gone international thanks to the efforts of this Buckhead uh, Empowerment Committee. And I think that other people from Atlanta, our voices need to be heard too. What about the people in Inman Park? What about the right. people in Grant Park? Yeah, that's really interesting because they never really come in and get the, get the opinion of actual a lot of natives that's from here because, yeah, they're here. I mean, because it's, it's crime, but crime is everywhere. I mean, yes. you, you, the crime is everywhere. It doesn't matter where you live in that. Same thing, you know, I was, you said about Gwinnett County because Gwinnett County fought so hard to keep Marta from coming up in here. And it's like, well, you know, we want to bring crime in. So I said, you want to keep the crime that you already have in here. <laughs> I said, really, you keep the crime you have in here and not let it spread out. I said, that's what you're really saying. I said, because I don't know too many robbers. We did have one back in the day. But I don't know too many robbers are going to get on Marta to come up into your place, rob you, jump back on Marta and head back down towards the city. So I'm like, you know, Crime is, is everywhere. So to say that you want to break away so you can form your own police force is asinine to me because I was like, well, what would your police force do differently than the police force? Oh, they might keep their jobs because they don't want to be held accountable and you're not going to hold them accountable. So you're going to let them do whatever the heck they want to do and terrorize the black folks. Because it's really what it's coming down to. You're saying the black people are the problem, even though you, like you said, you have upper class and uh, still some middle class black people that live within Buckhead itself. Now I am going to mess with you since you called me Buckhead. <laughs> yes. Why y'all stopped us from partying on Buckhead back in the day? I'm still upset about that because that used to be the fun place to go. <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, you mean old Buckhead Village with uh, uh-huh. stands? Yeah, y'all. I didn't do nothing. I was, I was. I don't even know where I was at that point. Trust me, I was there. I remember. Gosh, I remember the old bars that were on Far Road and East Faces Ferry Wreck when they converted the fire station into East Village Grill. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be the beer girl at. Um, oh gosh, it was there was a, a place downstairs from a. Oh, what was it called? I think it was called Grandstands, and I used to hand the beer. I used to sell the beer there at the door. And um, there weren't a whole lot of black folk up there at that time. But Mm -hmm. I also, I have a funny story about some of the nightclubs. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one of my favorite (laughs) subjects. Um, I went to Velvet. I don't know if you remember that club that was downtown next to George. Okay, you know the club. Mm -hmm. I went to Velvet one night with a friend of mine um, who had just become uh, the first black woman uh, general manager of Album 88. Now I'm dating myself, right? Because Album 88 has not been around for a while. (laughs) And another another friend of ours who's African American, we were turned away. Was mm-hmm. not allowed to go in there. And so, once we our little thing, you know, broke up. Uh, some other friends of mine called me who were white, who lived in East Lake and uh, Virginia Highlands. And said, "Hey, Raina, let's go to Velvet." Okay, I go to Velvet with them. Same outfit, same person. Guess what? Walked right in. So this this kind of dynamic, you know. It's 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 ridiculous, and you know, mind you, this is the days before we had before Outcast, you know, before before So So Deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, so So Deaf was only a couple of years later after this this happened. But you know, music has always been such a uniting factor for so many. I mean, I, I, being a music buff, you know, my father's music, of course, is Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Thelonious Monk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh, some That's jazz, up, right? some old school jazz right. too. Yes, yes, the re- the real the real real right. Yes. So when I uh, I started listening to jazz in the late '90s exclusively for a while because uh, Tupac and Biggie had just been murdered, and so this was no longer 
heat rock, seal smooth and diggable planets and, and, you know, music with a message. This was, this was taking a turn somewhere that I wasn't comfortable. So I started listening to my dad's music. And when I bought my first CD of Miles Davis, kind of blue, I read the liner notes. Do you know who wrote them? Mm-mm. Greg Allman. The Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers wrote the liner notes for Kind of Blue. And I had a moment where I sat there and I said, I wonder how many Allman Brothers fans even know that Greg Allman is listening to Miles Davis to the point where he had to write about it and was included in, in the uh, in the album release. So I've always seen music as a uniting factor and something mm-hmm. that we should be all be able to, to get around. But uh but yeah, but going back to nightclubs, you know, I, my godmother, uh, she owned a beauty salon on Washington Road and later her school. She's kind of an Atlanta fixture herself as a Lily Osborne de jacket. And she uh, opened her first salon on Washington Road after working at Davison's mm-hmm. up here, up at Lenox Square when it was still an open air mall. And she was doing hair of uh, a lot of the ladies who lunch and some of the up and coming movers and shakers like a, a lady by the name of Shay McNeil. Mm -hmm. wonderful uh, PR lady who was breaking ground for women uh, in the early seventies. It's most of most women were still at home. So she went, she had a vision and she went from doing hair at Davison's to her own salon, to her own beauty schools. But some Mm -hmm. of my favorite memories of her, besides her doing hair uh, in her, in her back room and the smell of the Marcel irons is her and her sisters getting up, getting dressed to go to Mr. V's figure eight. And so um, that's what, are you familiar with that club? No, I am not. What is Mr. V's figure eight? Mr. V's figure eight was near Greenbrier and that was the premier club for Black Atlanta in the 1970s. Uh, There was a movie theater next to it and then Mr. Mm -hmm. V's was where everybody went. And so, um, you know, from Mr. V's figure eight through club 112 for me and limelight for my mom and then backstreet for everybody, because we all club ended up there after everything closed. Yeah. Club. <laughs> Why are you laughing though? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I like 112 too. I like 112 and visions and uh, yes, it was visions. a couple more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, I remember those places. But, uh, you know, things have changed. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Buckhead, going back to the, the comments about violence, Buckhead is no stranger to violence. Mm-mm. It's a different kind of violence where mm-hmm. a husband would rather kill his wife than divorce her. We had quite a few of those. Fred Tokars, more recently, Tex MacGyver. Um, you know, there's a share of drunk drivers flipping their Porsches over on West Wesley Road and, and tearing up houses. This is not a... I don't want to say that Buckhead, the people who are agitating for mm-hmm. these changes seem to have this idea and have spoken about it that Buckhead deserves better. Buckhead is special. We're not getting what we want. We're filing for divorce. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. how can the side bay from New York file for divorce? How does that even happen? If you're going to use the marriage analogy, that doesn't even make any sense. So, um, It's been an interesting thing to watch, but also very, very discouraging. And uh, to see that what I feel are some racial tensions being deliberately fanned to 
mm-hmm. profit only a small group of people. Yeah, because that was one of the reasons they used for shutting down the bars and stuff. And I can remember going on there and I was like, it, it's not predominantly black folks that was in these bars. I was like, it's everybody else. This is true. This is true. I was like, so you saying is us? No, it, it wasn't us because I remember plenty of people are having bar fights in the middle because <laughs> those that, yes. that's not from here, Buckhead Street, Peachtree Street, and all that area in downtown Buckhead, down the street from Lennox Mall. Yes, it was a huge club area. And now we did have a problem with people cruising by and, and then, you know, just, just hanging out in their cars and stuff. But no, still, the streets were, it's almost like a freak meet. But it was Buckhead's yes. version of Freak Me to where the streets were just packed out with people. People were bar hopping. I mean, they, yes, people were getting drunk and fighting out the streets, but still, it was a lot of money being made. And yes. now you and you notice since you live in Buckhead, when they closed all those bars and stuff down, what happened to downtown Buckhead? All the oh. business and stuff started going away, stuff started drying up. So I was like, so you caused an issue within your own place. I was like, you could have, you know, helped with Started wait, what I can't say the crime because it was just people just being reckless. But I'm like, well, you drove away a lot of business. Oh, go ahead. No, it, it's true. It's true. I, I, I uh, the condo that I mentioned that I bought was off Matheson Drive, and I remember mm-hmm. a neighbor telling me that um, there was a shooting at the top of the driveway uh, right after he moved in there, and um, it was. You know, it, it was not, it, it's not like the crime just showed up. Now, is the crime being capitalized on? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to understand a few things about what we're going through. First of all, the crime is happening everywhere, mm-hmm. not just here, mm-hmm. not just Buckhead. It's not, you know, Buckhead's not being invaded. Um, mm-hmm. If we are being invaded, it's certainly by all of these multi level apartment homes that are popping up all over the place like, like mushrooms. Um, and that's a challenge everywhere. It's changing the character of a neighborhood. Um, thanks to devices like Waze, um, roads like Moore's Mill. Moore's Mill is a residential neighborhood. Well, that's now a pass-through into mid- Midtown West. You have uh, trucks over six axles on that road, and they're not supposed to be there. So there, there are other things going on. But the interesting part, uh, the man who is spearheading this effort, a guy by the name of Bill White, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because his Twitter profile says Bill White, his, his handle is Bill White NY, but somebody tried to change the name on it to say Bill White ATL. Um, you know, every time there's a crime in, in the greater metro area, somehow it makes its way onto his Twitter page where he's trumpeting, pun intended, um, breaking the city off. But, oh God, there's a shooting in Carroll County. Let's break away. You know, oh my God, there's a shooting in Tybee Island. Oh my God, they're coming to get us. Buckhead deserves better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, this this represents a fundamental breakdown in communication between government mm-hmm. and citizens. Now I say citizens, or actually that, that's a little bit inflammatory. Residents, voters, the families who live in the city, because they are not included in this conversation. In fact, one of the fundraising things, I've done my some research uh, on AJC and some of the blogs, the fundraiser that they held was $2,500 a plate, and I certainly wasn't invited to that. And also, you know, Buckhead is not simply rich people. There are middle-class families here who some of them um, were left a house maybe by their grandparents. Mm-hmm. Others are struggling. You know, they squeezed into their little three-bedroom, two-bath in a hundred 
I mean, a thousand square feet and they're, they have Ikea furniture and old cars and they're paying, uh, you know, quite a bit in taxes as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, My husband and I were under contract to buy a house and that led to the night before closing was a disaster because my husband didn't want to go through. He said that I'm not buying this house for this kind of money where we have crank windows that don't close. And, you know, it's mostly unrenovated and the air conditioning is about to go out and I'm not, I can't do it. So we had to walk away and, and hand over the earnest money. But, you know, these, the real people of Atlanta, Atlantans are being left out of all of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlantans, let's, let's, let's take it back to my neighborhood, to, uh, to Southwest Atlanta. First of all, you know, my father, I, there's, a, there's a picture that circulates in my family. And it's, it should be on my, my Instagram page, uh, Raina Bell Saunders on Instagram. And it's a picture of my father uh, standing between uh, Dr. King and Dr. Abernathy. Mm-hmm. Well, that picture was taken at Pascal's. And I remember when Pascal's was, that was where you went. That mm-hmm. was the, that was not just the, the upper crust nightclub for black Atlanta. That was the hotel. You know, of course we know about the green book now. And right. when celebrities would come to Atlanta, they could not stay in hotels like the Americana that's in downtown Atlanta. Hotels were still segregated. Where did they go? They went to Pascal's. Mm-hmm. And when uh, there were two, pa- there were pa- it was Pascal brothers is the way I always heard it referred to. One of the brothers passed away and the other wanted the hotel that he founded to stay in black hands. So it sold it to, they sold it to Clark Atlanta University. And look at it today. When's the last time you've been down Martin Luther King Jr. Drive to Busy Bee and seen what that hotel looks like? It's it's absolutely heartbreaking because this was this was our center. This is our Harlem. That was our cotton club, so to speak. And it's it's a wreck. It's just sitting there as as a, almost like a symbol of decay. Um, so there are so many people being left out of the political process and these conversations. Not to mention especially uh, on the north side of town, that includes Northeast Atlanta, not just Northwest, people tend not to vote in the elect- in local elections. And my attitude is you can't complain if you didn't vote. Right, right. That's, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I always say too. It's like, you know, <laughs> we always have something negative to say about what's going on and it's right. But I'm like, if you never showed up, you never participated in the game, how are you going to complain about it? This I'm is like, true. You have to, and then I also say you have to put up some viable candidates too. Because like I said, just because, you know, we have people from here, not everybody that's from here have everybody in their best intentions because not all Southerners are for one another. So we do have, some of us do have to step up. And it's, it's hard, I get it. And even the local job, the local candidates or local uh, positions here, they don't pay any money. So you have to have successful businesses to even run. And I think they did, they've done that on purpose because it's like, if you don't, if you don't have, if you don't come from a rich family and you don't have a good means of support behind you to be in local office is, it's not a cost of good cost of living to survive off of. So you have to have a strong business to even run for office. So well, this is true. This is true. With, with all is going on, what made you still want to put your name in the hat? I love our city, Antonio. Um, this is my home. And after going through talking about and actually planning to leave, I realized we cannot keep running away from the problems. At what point do we stop deflating, I mean, conflating, you know, inflaming 
and kicking the bucket down the road. Mm -hmm. And it was a comment that somebody made on, there's a a forum on Facebook, Skip Mason's Vanishing Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, I like that place. It's, it's really old timers, people who are older than I, who remember things, you know, in, in so much detail. And those stories still need to be heard. They're part of our, the fabric of what made Atlanta what it is. Um, somebody made a comment on a, on an inf- a heated thread about gentrification in mm-hmm. Southwest Atlanta. And the comment was, it's easy or something to the effect of it's easy to sit here on your phone, but did you actually try to buy any property before it got to where it is? Where were you? Do you still even live in the city of Atlanta or are you just coming here to complain? Because if you are, then you're part of the problem. And that hit me right between the eyes. I'm like, oops. <laughs> I missed yeah. my opportunity. Yeah, I missed my opportunity to buy in Southwest Atlanta, and now I'm priced out. Now, one of my dear friends, he uh, is formerly with the AJC. He's a writer. Um, he does some uh, some science fiction stuff. His name's Edward uh, Edward Hall. Mm-hmm. He's like my brother. He bought a house off Beecher Street uh, before the last real estate bubble. Uh, he bought in like 07. Mm-hmm. Well, he's enjoyed some pretty good appreciation uh, on his house. But I've watched his neighborhood, which is adjacent to the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, Older people are getting pushed out. They keep their house as long as they can. Um, When they die or they have to go in assisted living, the family doesn't always keep the house. Then I noticed an interesting thing about, I don't know, six or seven years ago, a house would be renovated. Mm -hmm. People would move in. They put their Atlanta United flag out front. And uh, then they would start calling code enforcement on all the neighbors. Yep. And so as and one of the and, and there there is unfortunately a racial component to it. Uh, the, these buyers typically were mm-hmm. white, obviously pretty well off to be able to spend three fifty to four hundred thousand dollars on a 80 year old house. But um, some not all of them, not all of them. But some of them were calling code enforcement on older people who just could not could not work their push mowers anymore or code enforcement um, on other people who had say yard art uh, where they created sculptures and whatnot out of found objects. They were getting code enforcement called on them for all kinds of reasons. And then all of a sudden they have fines due and whatnot. Not at no point whatsoever did this person actually bother to go meet his neighbors or talk to them or can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, hello, you know, hello, sister so-and-so. I see that you're older. Are you having a hard time mowing your lawn? Here, let me do this with my brand new John Deere I just bought. These sorts of things. And so there's been a breakdown of communication and cooperation, not just at the state level or at the local government level, but just within neighborhoods themselves. And we we are the units that make up our city. Mm-hmm. So without that kind of caring for our neighbor, this opens the door for some of the mess that we're dealing with now. Now, you know, I'm not saying everybody's going to love your neighbor as yourself. That is a that is a Christian thing. And I respect that not everybody is Christian. I actually like the Buddhist version a little bit better. You don't have to love your neighbor, but at least try not to shoot them for parking in front of your driveway. <laughs> right. <laughs> So that's that's the ethos that I'm bringing to my campaign. It is a, a focus on, you know, we we've been through hell. Mm-hmm. 2020 was traumatic just on so many levels. And we're experiencing the fallout from that and mental illness. Um, short people are short tempered. People got scared and bought up a ton of guns along with all the toilet paper. And now they're using them on other people for the smallest 
the, to me, just the smallest slights, getting cut off in traffic should not result in somebody dying. Right. Mm-hmm. But these are happening everywhere. So this is something that's very important to me. You know, I, I want to focus on public safety, certainly the rise in crime and uh, the COVID crime wave, which, yes, it is a thing and it's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. But also affordable housing and to address the gentrification of neighborhoods or even for neighborhoods that may have been a little bit better off, just turning them into these urban centers where they lose all of their character and they just become another you know, corporate outlet of strip malls in five, five level buildings without the infrastructure to, to support it. And that's the other issue is infrastructure. Um, you know, we just received a notice that um, trash will not be picked up every week. It's now going to be picked up every other week. Huh? Yes. Yes. That is that is the, the latest thing because of short staffing with the city of Atlanta sanitation. Now, uh, not even just homeowners, everyone, residents will be will have their trash picked up every other week. And as a result, the community that I live in, they have dropped these enormous um when we call those things bins, tubs, um, the big metal containers are just littering the roadways and people are throwing their trash into that. Now, I thought sanitation workers got paid pretty well. They do. Excuse me, I'll try to get rid of this email. There we go. They, they do, but apparently there are shortages. People have rethought their career choices during 2020. I mean, if you're faced with, I go outside, I can catch this virus and I may not survive. Mm-hmm. That's put a lot of people into rethinking what they want to do. Um, there could be some attrition. Uh, I'm not really sure the reasons behind it. I just know that as Atlantans, we're reaping it. That's for sure. That's the one thing I I, I do miss, though, about the old South. Because I don't miss a lot about the old South, but I do miss the one <laughs> thing about the old South is the, the unity and the family we all had together because we all pretty much watched after one another. Even leaving from Macon, Georgia, where I was from, to Stone Mountain, we still kind of watched out for each other as a community. Like we watched all the kids knew we had houses that we could go to and go, if one was hungry, they can go eat at somebody else's house. So it was never an issue until, you know, like I said, I said the implants, people start coming in and <laughs> they didn't like our Southern way. They did not like, our, and I'm like you now, I, one thing I did have a problem with, especially New Yorkers, everybody would come down from New York and like, I hate it here. You know, y'all talk too slow. It's so terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you can go, right? <laughs> I was like, the highway did not close down. You, you can go right on back to New York if you want to. I'm like, cause we accepted you in. We gave right. you apricot pies, our, our, our sweet potato pies. <laughs> we didn't gave you our, our banana pudding, our sweet tea. We didn't gave you all of our Southern hospitality and showed you some love around here. And then you turn around and gonna turn your back to us and tell us that you don't like the way we talk because we talk a little bit slower than what you all do. And we're not as slick as you all. Well, you know, you welcome on and go right on back on where you come from. And we still gonna <laughs> love you. And we gonna tell you bye-bye and hug Bless you on your, your way on out. <laughs> All right, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, part of my part of my background includes New York. Uh, I had three aunts up there, one of whom was a uh, cook for the Rockefellers mm-hmm. and my Aunt Clara. And they loved her so much. They gave her a house and uh, with blueberry fields in front. I seem to have missed that. All my older cousins got to enjoy that part. But uh, I spent a lot of time in Yonkers growing up and in the city. My favorite aunt, uh, my Aunt Jean, was a teacher in public schools and she taught in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. 
So I was up there for Summer Sam and all that stuff and, you know, turning up my nose at the fire hydrant versus the swimming pool and wondering why this, why are that, this asphalt is so hot? I want some grass. I couldn't wait right. to come back home. Let me tell you. So uh, I remember when Spike Lee was, was at Morehouse and doing his first things. I'm like, I totally get it. I get his vibe because I experienced that as well, you know, vicariously through my aunts who had gotten out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And <laughs> some of them got, went to New York. Another went to D.C. My father came down here. One went to Oakland, California. You know, nobody stayed in the South. But we, as a people, we are kind of reaping what we sowed. You know, New York, nobody nobody really started off in New York or Chicago. That was the great migration. Mm-hmm. You know, those are our people. In fact, there's, there's, a, there's an episode of uh, Good Times, of course, the episode where James uh, Evans dies, where yeah. they were moving down to Mississippi. And it, it's, you know, we had our great migration at the turn of the 20th century, but then we're having another migration where people are coming back going mm-hmm. back to their roots, going back to the South and, and making a difference. And I think that's wonderful. We need that. We need, we do, we, we need the benefit of having lived uh, in that kind of urban environment and some of the, the gains that were made up there. You know, I like to contrast Atlanta is, is the home of Dr. King and the Southern yep. Christian leadership conference, but New York is the home of Malcolm X. And um, I read now, of course, you know, growing up, having having family, you know, a father connected with the SCLC, I wasn't allowed to read Malcolm X till college. No, no, he's preaching. Hey, no, we don't do that. <laughs> you know, we, but I have to tell you, the writing speaks for itself. It has stood the test of time. And there's some lessons that I think we need to internalize. One of those lessons, of course, is the fact that they only sell certain kinds of clothes in the black community and everybody's dressing like a banker because that's what he was was promoting, but also making comments about how many people are selling liquor and getting us ensnared and stuff. And mm-hmm. that these are the things that make you go, hmm, now I'm not going to judge anybody for taking a drink. That's fine. Um, but these are things that we need to think about. You know, Atlanta is now home to black billionaire um, who who got his start here and bought Fort McPherson. Good for mm-hmm. him. You know, we're home to uh, our, our own homegrown celebrities, like, you know, um, out, the members of Outcasts and uh, also T.I. and, you know, a host of other people. But this cannot eclipse, you know, the heritage that we already had. Right. You're talking about Buckhead. Um, I did not know this. Uh, I recently read that Buckhead, uh, it was annexed by the city of Atlanta in the 1950s, the early 50s. Uh, at one point, Buckhead was Alpharetta because downtown was way further downtown than it is now. Uh-huh. And uh, sometime in the 1940s, Black residents, Black homeowners, Black landowners in Buckhead were pushed out by the city. This is why we have a much older AME church in Black Cemetery, less than a mile from the governor's mansion. Now, 1940, that's not that long ago in terms of history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that this this turn of events and this upcoming election is, is a chance for us to reflect as a people on what direction we want to go in. Um, naturally, um, we're getting blamed for everything that goes wrong. Of course, there is a lot of that. Um, there is some political canoodling where let's capitalize on these two or three shootings by black folk at Lenox Square 
and we're going to use this as an excuse to snatch the northwest corner with the most expensive real estate out of out of out of reach so you know what i what i want to see from from us is is a focus on not just the celebrity aspect of black atlanta but on atlantans who've been here the whole time whose stories did not get told who are getting right. lost in the shuffle so as we wrap it up Tell the people where they can reach you at, how they can follow your campaign, what your next moves are. And then as we do wrap it up, one thing I'd like to ask, I ask all of my guests, you don't have to do it, but I do ask all of my guests is that once you come on, uh, just to bless over the community, give like a word of encouragement towards the end of the show. Just say, you know, because we're surrounded, like we're surrounded by so much chaos and stuff around us, at least, you know, towards the end of my show, I'd like to just give everybody a blessing. I know you can do that, Minister. Sure. Yes, 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 I can. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I have just set up my website, uh, Raina, uh, it's uh, RainaBellSaunders.com. That is, uh, it's, it's, it's rudimentary just to, to hold the place there. I'm not taking campaign donations yet. I'm still working out the back end of uh, qualifying. That's a whole nother thing for a whole nother show about trying to do a grassroots campaign and how that's not working out because I can't get the numbers that I need uh, from City Hall. So I don't have a target. Um, also, I can be reached. I'm Raina Bell Saunders on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Raina Bell Saunders on Facebook, and Raina B Saunders on Twitter. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, I'm Bell Saunders for Mayor at gmail.com. And I do want to give a word of encouragement. You know, when I felt the call to run for mayor, naturally I did not want it. This is too big for me. This is too much. And I was reminded of 1 Samuel 3. Verses mm-hmm. one and two and verse thirteen, where there weren't the, the there weren't that many visions, and the word of the Lord was not going out in those days when Eli was um, high priest and uh, Samuel was a young child who'd been dedicated by his mother Hannah. Um, Eli was blind, and in verse thirteen, it talks about he did not uh, react when he saw the uh, evil that his sons were doing. And so that for me was a moment is that we've been numb. We have become numb to the violence going on every day. And we, you know, it's time for us to check on our neighbor, like the the young man that shot up Mill Creek Drive that I live on and drove a car into my other neighbor. He'd had problems for months. Nobody spoke to him. Nobody called the police. Did anybody try to call his mama? Because that was my next question. And of course, the results were devastating. But I do want to—I do know the Lord does have a message for Atlanta. It's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He wants to give us a future and a hope, and so that we don't continue to suffer these distresses. Um, I know that so many are against separating our city, including the Buckhead Coalition. They are not on board of this. I spoke with Jim Durrett, the president, personally. And I think that we've reached a moment where we all have to band together, regardless of our our ethnic background or educational background or what, we have to band together as Atlantans. And it is time to stand up as as a unified group of diverse people to say, no, you're you're not gonna come out of here from out of state and carve up our city. This is the time, that time is now. Um, so many have lost jobs and are suffering economically. I know that um, impact payments have gone out for people who have children. That extra $500 a month is going to be so helpful for so many families. But it, as, as we continue to deal with the blow up of the Delta variant, 
It's time for us to start making real decisions. And I'm here to offer Atlantans a different choice for mayor than recycling the same candidates over and over again. Amen to that. I want to say thank you again for coming on and make sure you do check out Raina Bell Saunders website to see what kind of support you can give. I don't care if it's volunteering, phone banking or whatever. Make sure you check it out. And one thing I want to say is to coincide with a lot of things that we have going on today is work towards putting out your best and be mindful of what you attract in. You want to bring in those who are there for a mutual exchange because sometimes we find ourselves in relationships, be it friends, be it family or intimate relationships where it's one-sided and someone is taking out more than what's putting in. So let's work towards stopping that so we can attract those who help us in reaching our goals because goals are harder to attain if you're wearing a baggage in the waist of others on your shoulders. I am Antonio Hicks, Escaping the Matrix. I want to say, remind everybody to take your daily L's of your live, love, and laugh because we need to laugh about the things that we have control over and laugh about the things that we don't have control over. Live for today because tomorrow is not promised and make sure you spread love because that's why we need to be pushing forward is leaving, leading with our hearts and loving with everything that we do. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you like it and then also leave a comment. Thank you again, Raina, for coming on. Good luck. I will be following your race and we will stay in uh, contact. Love you all. Happy podcasting.